Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest Gunners Town podcast. It's me, Chris, uh, Suburban Gooner, Chris, or just Suburban Gooner if you like, uh, coming to you with the latest uh, Arsenal ramblings. And today I'm joined by a very special friend, Mark <laughs> King. How are you doing? Oh, I'm all right, Chris. I'm You're all right. <laughs> football friend. Um, yeah, no, I'm good, friend. mate. Thank you very much. Thank and you for Mark's the invite. Mark is joining us because I said I really, really want to bring you on after such a fantastic game. So uh, we're going to talk about Villa tonight. And uh, joining us on that is uh, the man himself, Shewell. How are you doing, Gav? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. So let's uh, chuck the absolute grenade in Mark's direction, given that it's his first time on, so that he can talk about... You can talk about Man City for about 30 seconds, if you like, Mark. Uh, but then I want you to give me some initial impressions on what we witnessed last night at the time of recording. It's uh, Wednesday night here, so it was Tuesday, and that was the Aston Villa game. Yeah, well, Matt, I mean, you know, plenty has been said about Man City, but I think if you take the Man City game and then you look at the Villa game last night... You've kind of got Arsenal in a nutshell. You know, this is under, you know, three managers now. We are still capable of putting in a performance like the Man City game where everything worked. You know, the game plan was great. Uh, the players all pulled together and played well. And it was a magnificent performance and result. And then you go to the Villa game whereby I think it's slightly different because obviously I don't think he would have had a game plan as as much set out for the Villa match as he did for the City game, because obviously we were playing Villa um, and uh, he was resting several players because of the amount of games we've played. So I don't necessarily think he had a, a particular game plan for last night, but you can see that, again, regardless of it being Wenger or Emery or Arteta, we are capable of being sublime and ridiculous. Uh, and last night, unfortunately, was... Really, as far down uh, the, the the scale to rid the ridiculous end as you can get, it was it was really, really poor performance all round. I thought. Yeah, it weren't great, was it? And Gav, so a lot of people I've seen on the uh, on the socials have been giving Arteta some pelters over his squad selection. Are you on the uh, pelters bandwagon, or do you think he had to do it because of the energy that was expended against Man City? I don't just think it was a Man City game. I think you've got to take into consideration the Tottenham game, the Liverpool game and the Man City game, which is three big games on a trot. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm not sure which two out of the three I would have preferred to have won. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think it had to be done, really. I think he, he had to do that many changes. And Torreira hasn't had a lot of game time, so he started with him and... He got pulled off at half-time because, you know, let's be honest, he was dog shit the whole game. He was dog shit the whole half. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not overly, overly bothered. It would have been nice to have relegated Villa because I don't particularly like Aston Villa. Do you know what I mean? But so it, would have been, it would have been nice to relegate them. But we've still got the opportunity by putting out the under-18s against Watford to instate 10-0 and relegating them that way. So, we we can still we can still you know we can still do them we can still do them bromies do you know what I mean but yeah no I I, I, I to go to, to go to your question Chris I, I was not overly overly surprised I was possibly expecting even Lacquer to be on the bench as well to be fair but I, I weren't surprised about the sound weren't surprised at all I don't think I was surprised about the 
the ro- that he was going to rotate, I think I was a bit flummoxed with some of his decisions and some of the playing positions. So, for example, Eddie Nketiah playing as an inside right forward. Can somebody explain to me when he's if they've ever seen that and whether or not it worked? Um, Mark, you can go on that one then. Eddie Nketiah, have you ever seen it? As it and do you think it even remotely worked last night? No, and I, I haven't seen it, and I, I don't think it did. I mean, obviously, we're asking Abamyang to play, you know, uh, wider as like an, an inside forward, as it were, or outside forward. Um, so, you know, Eddie has got to learn to to adapt his game. And but I, I think what we've got to remember is that was probably forced on him um, by Reese Nelson's injury. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think if Reese had been fit, he'd have started in that role because you know it's generally it's where where Reese gets a, a chance to play uh, more often than not. So I think it was forced upon him. But it, it, the thing was, it didn't work. And it was fairly obvious that it wasn't working uh, quite quite soon into the game. Um, so, you know, it, it was it took some time before we, we made any change. I mean, I'm not sure how much, how long Pepe got, probably about 20 minutes before he came on. So. Yeah. Um, didn't really make a huge amount of difference either, to be fair. Uh, so, you know, knocking Eddie, yeah, he didn't have a great game, but he's a kid. You know, Pepe did the, the £72 million signing, got 20 minutes and, and didn't really look to do much either, to be fair. Where do you both stand, actually, on Pepe? Because I've had a mate who was WhatsApping me and he decided that he was going to WhatsApp every single Arsenal mate that he's got and say, is Pepe <laughs> worth £72 million quid? So... He's got a load of people, obviously, after last night when he's had 20 minutes saying not really or give him time or wherever it is. What's Gav? What's your thoughts on Pepe so far? I think he's, he's shown he's shown glimmer, like he's shown little tiny parts every now and then. Of absolute oh, genius. careful. You don't want him showing his tiny parts. His little part. Well, he's just had a baby as well, so his parts are getting well used. But he's uh, <laughs> no, he's he's shown he's shown in glimpses that he he can do it. The the cut inside and, and goals, the free kicks, the way he, he gets the he sometimes gets the ball and runs it on. And there's and you've also got to look at the amount of assists. And or even though I hate the stats of assists and goals. It's not too bad for a first season in England for a French player. So you've got to hope that... I know it's extremely big big boots that we're trying to sort of imitate here, but if you compare his first season with the amount of goals and assists for players like Henri and Perez, he actually compares very, very favourably. The problem is, is is this his ceiling? Is he going to go and push on? So for a first season, I'm quite happy, but... If he produces another season like this, then I wouldn't be happy. Yeah, I think, I mean, me personally, I love Pepe. I think he's a great footballer. I think he's being instructed to play a certain way. I think there's not many footballers that came out of the Emery regime this season with any kind of real credit, if you think about it. And that's why we're in the position that we're in. Um, I'm not buying any of this nonsense that I've seen across Twitter where some people have decided to go uh, agendas on the fact that the first 19 games uh, of Arteta's reign are not as good as the first 19 at Emery's. Arteta took a team that was literally on its knees confidence-wise and he's had injuries, he's had red cards and we've had a global pandemic chucked in there just for 
good measure. So I think that Arteta is, is doing a good job. I think he's, but I think what he's done is he's given Pepe a certain style and he's asked him to adapt his style as a result. You know, Pepe is a counter-attacking wide forward who did the business at Lille. And now he's being asked to, at times he was being asked to have chalk on his boots um, on the right wing. He's been asked to, to do a lot more tracking back than he's ever been used to. So I think eight goals and nine assists is a pretty good return. And I think he's going to be mustered and good next season. Mark, are you on, are you on the positive bandwagon or are you... Uh, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not on the negative bandwagon. I feel really, really sorry for the guy. You know, he he comes he comes to Arsenal with a huge price tag. Uh, you know, he's walked into a club that, let's be honest, was was probably in disarray fairly quickly into his time here. You know, the manager who bought him or not bought him, depending on who actually you know sealed the deal for Pepe, has gone. You know, he's 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 had a, a short stint under Freddie, and now he's got Arteta. He's got a wife who's pregnant and now had a baby. And then you get, you know, the biggest sort of uh, medical crisis to hit the globe for years that's stopped football and has made everything so just unrecognisable from what we're used to. So I feel really sorry for the guy. And I think for people to be having a go at him, it's, it, it, I think that it's a, that's a little bit knee-jerk. Yeah, you can watch him. And, you know, what, I'm, what I don't want is... To, to be reminded of Jovino because, you know, Jovino was yeah. the kind of player that you could watch and you could sort of think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced whether you're actually good or you're just really shit. And <laughs> you get away with so much stuff because not even you know what you're doing, let alone the defenders <laughs> who are facing you. You know, I don't want him to end up going down that road, but, you know, I can see how he warrants some criticism that he's had, but also... On, on the other hand, it's a really tough time to come into the club. And as you say, his stats aren't actually that bad. But I think he's one of those players. And I think we saw it with Ozil as well. The way Ozil was, you know, didn't really help people not get on his back about his teamwork and ethic and, and contribution. And that. I think, you know, you could maybe look at Pepe and say, he not similar to Ozil, but I think his, his body language, his way of playing, you know, he's not a buster gut guy. Um, like like maybe you'll see with other players who who will then get away with it with fans. He's someone who the way he plays leaves him a little bit open to criticism um, and just makes it easy for people to have a pop at him. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. So um, I'm going to shift us on just a little bit um, away from Pepe just for a second. Let's talk about Cedric. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about Cedric after Pepe, because he's another player that, you know, we basically didn't see until... Um, after after the COVID situation. And we find ourselves now in a position where we've got ourselves this guy. And I don't know whether or not... What I saw last... Uh, Gav, I'll, I'll pass. I'll defer to you in a second. But what I saw last night was what looked like a decent enough um, right back that has a certain way of playing um, football and gets the ball, puts it out wide, gets balls into a box. It was very, very simple, wasn't it? The style. I don't know. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on Cedric? I'm just... I just think he's just... I think he's just vanilla. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to particularly love him. I don't think I'm ever going to particularly hate him. I don't think he's going to ever particularly let us down. Yeah. I don't think he's ever going to win us games. And he probably had over the last, I think he, correct me if I'm wrong, he probably had at least four or five chances to put the ball in the box. 
Yeah, they had 11 crosses last night and not one of them met an actual target. Although, to be was fair, that, it didn't was, seem like we had many people into the box. So that well, tells its own story. Was that 11 by Cedric or 11 as a team? Yeah, from Cedric. From Cedric. 11, yeah, well, I think that kind of sums it up. And, I mean, I, I was sort of sitting there thinking, why are we constantly putting high balls in the box? And, you know, Villa was sitting there. And to be fair, to go back to what Mark said earlier with regards to how good we was against Man City was how bad we was against Villa. How good we defended against Man City was almost as how good as Villa defended against us. So you almost can't have it in, in, with both hands. Do you know what I mean? You, if you, we're going to appreciate a fine defensive performance by us, you've got to appreciate at the same time a fine defensive performance by the team we're playing against. But I don't think the quality of the balls that, that Cedric was putting in gave anybody a chance. I think we got, we had, there was one header that hit the post, wasn't it? And I'm yeah. not even sure whether that was Cedric that put that one in. But there was just too many balls that were just lumped in the middle. And if we had someone like that French person who plays for Chelsea, who we're not going to mention, right? <laughs> if we had someone like that in the middle, then we, we might have got a couple. But they, they was pointless balls. We're, we're not an in-the-air team. I, I didn't understand it. Gab, can I just ask you then for that question? For that, for that um, ball which Enketia headed onto the post. A lot of people saying that um, that should have been a goal and that was on Enketia and he really should have finished that. I thought that was quite a difficult chance. What did you think? I think it was incredibly difficult to be fair. Yeah. He's probably the smallest bloke in the box. He's managed to get his head on it and he's glanced it and literally, I mean, you, you look at the, the difference in the angle. It was, you know, it was a million metres the other millimetres the other side of his head and that would have been in the bottom corner so mm. it, you know you, you can't blame him for that you can't blame him for that at all but like I said I just think it was just consistent bad balls into the box when we had a chance just yeah. consistent consistent bad balls and and Mark so are you are you with Gav there do you think that was just a difficult chance from Nketiah and then my next question for you is um what just give me a general synopsis as to what went wrong in terms of our build-up play. Because, again, I think this is probably a creativity question that I'd like you to just elaborate on, if that's all right. Yeah, um, sorry, the first bit. So, Eddie, you know, I mean, Eddie's not the tallest and he's not the strongest. You know, he's still a young a young kid, in effect. So, he's done, I thought he did, he did well to even get anything on the header. And mm. he was unlucky, as Gab says, a few millimetres either side of the post and that actually goes in. So, um, I thought he did well. And I'm not going to dig him out when you've got two far better strikers who didn't really do uh, much at all in the game. You know, they, no. they, they were fairly anonymous. These are the guys that people need to be sort of thinking, are, are we actually getting um, getting getting value out of rather than, than digging out Eddie? Um, then going on to uh, what the, the problem was. Well, I think it's, um, I think one of the, one of the issues we had last night and it only got worse once Louise went off is that when we have the ball at the back, Louise is, can, can pass. He can he can come out from the back and he can he can hit a pass. Mustafi not so. You know Mustafi's very good at hitting long diagonal balls from from where he is over to the left wing. Short passing, he's he can be pretty pretty poor. Um, so then when you when you haven't got Mustafi at all, when you then take Louis off, you know either side of him early doors we had Holding and Kalasnach. Uh, Lee said about Kalasnach about the guy is shot. Confidence is gone. Just, you know, he's, he's just bringing absolutely nothing to this team at the moment. 
Um, so he needs to just not appear for Arsenal ever again in the history of the club, not even in a fucking Legends tournament of some sort. <laughs> um, and Rob Holding, while I like Rob Holding, you know, he worries me. He tried stepping out of the defence against Liverpool and he got caught out and lost the ball um, at least once, you know, and I'm not sure about his passing either. So we had no nothing really from, from the back. And then Torreira had a nightmare. It's a really, really poor game. Sabayos, uh, I like Sabayos. You know, he picks up the ball. He's always trying to turn. He's he generally is always trying to get forward and and look for a pass. But he's got to have options for those passes. And I think you know he's not he's not getting that so much at the moment. I mean he's you know he's making some really good passes like the one for to uh, Saka for the cross for the Leicester goal. But um, you then look at second half when Arteta realizes that Torreira is having a mare and he's. On a yellow, so he brings on Jacka, which I think most people wanted. Even me, who doesn't like Jacka, I thought like, we need to get him on. And even he, again, he's like, there's just too much sideways passing. And you know, it's like we, we should we're used to watching that because you know when it was the days of the, the latter stages of um, Arsene Wenger, very used to that. Teams know knew how we 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 wanted to play. They'd happily let us have the ball, and they would let us pass that ball backwards and forwards across the um, the arc of boredom, as as we called it. Um, but we had decent players then in midfield, players who could pass the ball. Penetrate. You know? yeah. yeah. Now, you know, we haven't. You know, Xhaka doesn't really hit that many key passes, in my opinion. Um, Ceballos is, is not doing it that much, to be honest. Torreira didn't do it at all and was just really off. I mean, I know he's only just back and, you know, not match fit at all. So we'll give him uh, some leeway there. But no, I just don't think there was, and we've said about it, and of course it it reared the uh, the ugly head of uh, Mesut Ozil again, didn't it? That we really, last night, there was no creativity. Now, having a lack of creativity when you're playing the game plan that you're doing against Liverpool or against Man City is, is not so, so bad, you know, because you're looking to catch them on the break and that. But when you're the team that's going to have all the possession, that's when you've got to create and we're just not at that level. Our, our midfielders are not at that level and our defenders coming out from the back are not at that level either, to be fair. Yeah, I think I would 100% echo with that. One of the most frustrating things from my perspective last night was the countless number of times that I saw either Kolasinic or Holding pick up the ball. So Louise would spread the ball to them. And one of the things I would say about Mustafi is his he will he will look forward for a, a distribution. He would look forward for a pass. I did not see that at all from Holding or Kalasinic. And what it does is you, you get Louise, and he's, if he's not pinging longer balls forward, if he's just spraying it sideways five, ten yards to his mates either side of him, all that's going to happen is he's going to come back to them. And we do that backwards and forwards. And what it does is it just slows down the games. It allows teams like Aston Villa to just set themselves and say, right, well, let's just have bodies then. I mean... When we then press the ball forward and we're on sort of the edge, that arc of boredom that you were talking about, um, Mark, you, what I watched a couple of times, there were nine Aston Villa shirts in their own box. And all they said was, we know you don't have creativity. We know that you're not, like, we didn't have run, not just creativity, but runners as well. So creativity isn't just the, everyone thinks that you put Mesut Ozil in that team and, or even peak Mesut Ozil, and he's going to be threading through balls. Well, yeah, maybe he might be, but you've actually got to have players that are going to run onto those through balls. And there wasn't that movement at all last night. And no, no. that's what I think we need, we need to see more of. Um, 
Gav, where do you stand on, because we haven't really asked you a question about the defensive side, so thoughts on, you can talk about either Holding or Kolasinic or Louise, you can talk about formation, you can talk about the goal if you want to, because I thought that was pretty poor from another set piece. Mm. Yeah, no, like, we need a, I like Tyranny, I like Berylin, uh, and we've just got to fill in the gaps between them, basically. I just, you, you know, completely, I mean, Louise is okay if you play him in a free. Uh, I understand why he got pulled off as well because you know, I'm sitting there thinking he's going to get another red card and that'll be the end of his season. Uh, Mark was completely right with uh, with Glasnatch. Uh, I'm hoping Chambers comes back fit at some stage whenever he's due back because I think the formation like that might suit him. Uh, but the long and the short of it is, is we, you know, if we're going to go back to playing like a four-four-two, which we sort of breezed into in the second half when we were to goal down, we haven't got the centre backs that are going to be able to handle with that. Are going to be able to handle that against top teams. Uh, I understand why he did it, and the the most interesting thing I thought was when we got to literally, I think it was like the last ten minutes, and we almost played how we did back at Highbury. Uh, with literally two centre-backs, two central midfielders, and everybody else bombing forwards. And the only problem with that is, A, we didn't have players like Campbell and Torre and Adams and Keown and Vieira and Batik, but it it was just nice to see that sort of... It was almost like Arteta's got that as, as like the last gasp what they call in some sort of American sports, Hail, Hail Mary, yeah. where he's got sort of like the, what, what, what they called on the box, which is basically a, a square of two centre-backs and two central midfielders and everyone else being attacking. So I like that he had, Artur has that plan in his locker for games that are going down to the wild that we're losing in. I sort of respected that, but when it comes to our, down to our defenders, you know, let's be honest, you know, would any of them get in the team 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We, 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 do you know what I mean? We, it, needs a, it needs a complete halt, you know, a complete rebuild, really. A complete and utter rebuild. And as we probably alluded to here on the past, the only reason we're playing three at the back is he ain't got two we can trust. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Do you think next season, let's fast forward to next season then from a defensive point of view. Mark, I'll ask you this. Do you think Arteta will play three at the back? Because of, and let's assume he's got Saliba coming in. I think we can probably safely say that Socrates is done. Um, Louise has signed a new contract. Chambers potentially coming back in. You've got Holding as well. We've got Pablo Murray. Do you see him continuing? Is he wedded to this three at the back? Or do you think he'll try and shift it to a four? Um, I don't think he's wedded to it. I think he'll be, you know, I think Arteta's going to be a manager. He'll be fairly flexible uh, and uh, we'll, we'll try and, pick whatever formation he thinks will get him a result out of a game. So I think, you know, if he feels that in some matches he needs to go to three at the back, he'll do it. But I think his his default mode would, I think it would like to be the four. Um, but again, it, it comes down to the point that, that Gav's made, you know, I mean, Tierney, I think we're all, we're all happy with Tierney. Um, you know, Bellerin hasn't come back too great, but yeah, you know, he, he's only recently back up from from a very bad injury 
seems to have lost a bit of pace. Seems to have lost a little bit of physical strength. But we've got to, you know, give him a chance. Uh, although, to be fair, he is one of our only players who might be worth a few quid. So that could mm-hmm. be worth thinking about. Um, Cedric, I think what Gav said about him being vanilla was 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 a brilliant uh, description of him. You know, I don't, I don't think we've seen enough of him. To be fair, um, so we'll have to wait and see what what he'll actually bring to the team. Um, but he just he, he he just he's struggling at the back, and I think, you know, I feel again, and 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 it's what worries me a little bit about Salaba is that if the if the kid comes in, and he is only a kid, you know, if he mm-hmm. comes in uh, having had sort of you know very short term experience in the French league for Saint Etienne, and I think people are expecting him to be, you know, the next Virgil Van Dijk, and that's really really it's far too high an expectation, and it's really unfair on him, and. With our fan base as well, we've got to be kind of careful that we don't, you know, if he if he if he struggles that's to find his feet, yeah, that we that people are not getting on his back because that's not, you know, that's not really going to help a young kid. Um, so I don't know. I would I would like to think he'll go with four at the back, but he's got to have. Uh, he's as as Gav said, he's got to have four he can trust, and I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced at the moment that he has that. Um, mm. And 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 you know, maybe with him giving. Uh, Louise, the extra year. I mean, I think we can all see the the benefits of having David Luiz from what we've heard, uh, and possibly what you see as well, um, outside of just the ninety minutes of the game. Um, so I get that, but I'm also I'm not convinced Luiz is going to work in a back four. I think he works in a three at the back as the sweeper, um, yeah. but I'm not convinced in a as 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 a one of two centre halves. So. I think Arteta's got his work cut out at the back. Um, but uh, to be fair, he's got his work cut out all over the team. So he he's got a really big job on his hands. And um, whilst uh, whilst I know that, because uh, we have mentioned it, I didn't know whether we were going to, whilst we all we, we saw the banner uh, last yeah, night, about, now, you know, backing, yeah. backing Arteta, I mean, the question, the, the, the thing is, it, on a very basic level, we have spent a lot of money. Stan Kroenke has released a lot of funds. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of Stan Kroenke. I don't want to go anywhere near the club. But he's released a lot of funds, all those funds of which were profits made by the club, hence us being self-sustaining. But he has released a lot of money. It's been spe- spent badly in the main by you know, at least two managers and at least a couple of executives who are also involved in decision-making. Um, but the issue is now that we haven't got any money. You know, we're not mm. making a profit anymore because of the decline of the club uh, and obviously the COVID, what COVID's done to, to football on the whole. Um, so I think the, the, the message, that whilst it might not be the right way to deliver that message, and I don't think anyone still has a clue who's who did it or who whether there's anything behind it or whether it was just a one-off thing, I don't know. But the, the message is quite key. We do need to see that Stan Kroenke will do something to generate some money for Arteta to spend. Now, whether... Some of that will be through the uh, the refinancing of the bonds. We'll have to wait and see, you know. But that didn't sound like it was going to free up a huge amount of money, you know, no. enough for a decent centre half's right leg, maybe. But um, so I think this will be interesting. Arteta needs to be able to make some changes, and he needs the money to be able to do that. Unfortunately, uh, and also we need to trust some of the kids. But again, 
you, you, you go on Twitter and you see some of the comments that are made about, you know, people like Willock, people like Nelson and Eddie, uh, to a certain extent, um, people already saying that they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're not at Arsenal's level. Yeah. Um, Gav, I'm just going to let you have a quick one on the banner. And does it make us come across as a bit of a Mickey Mouse football club when we've got fans? We seem to be the only fans that are willing to um, get planes up in the sky. Oh, no, actually, sorry, Burnley flat fans. Let's not forget those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, their, uh, and their discretions. Does it, but does that particular banner make us look a little bit Mickey Mouse is the first question. And then we've just come out to the last sort of um, three or four minutes. So let's just quickly look ahead at Watford as well. So is it does the does. So two questions. Number one. Does the banner make us look a bit Mickey Mouse? And number two, is Watford the worst up dead rubber that you've ever known as an Arsenal fan? <laughs> uh, right, okay, question one, the banner. I could probably do about an hour on that, to be fair, <laughs> without even breathing. Uh, I understand every supporter's got the right and every fan's got the right to actually display and vent how they feel about it. I thought the wording wasn't particularly right. Uh, <laughs> On the banner, I would have gone for something like uh, uh, back our setter, please, Cronky. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, you're not going to get rid <laughs> of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, but yeah, and like I say, as possibly the pair of you know, like I've been involved in sort of supporters groups uh, this year and last year, and we've done a joint statement last year under the, the headline of We Care to You, uh, which pretty much united the fan base as well. I've spoke to people already this year with regards to let's wait till the season's finished because you can't be making bold statements before you know where the season's ended. So to me, putting that banner up when we've got a cup final in two weeks' time is fucking Mickey Mouse. Mm. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that. And I appreciate whoever done it and whoever put their money in Good luck to you, but that wouldn't have been my choice. That makes all of us look like fucking Muppets, right? Mm. So the time, really, and like I say, <clears throat> again, I've been involved in shit like this for about, well, Mark will back me up, eight, nine years, Mark? Yeah. Right? So I've kind of got a little bit of experience of when the right time is to do stuff. And the right time to do stuff ain't when we've just beaten bloody Liverpool and Man City and we're in a cup final. That ain't the time to do it. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're fucking crazy. Anyways, so that's that. Uh, against Watford, the biggest dead rubber that we've had. Uh, possibly not. There was quite a few in the... Like, <laughs> we've had so many. There's, the been, there's, been, there's been quite a few, aren't there? Do you know what I mean? I mean, you, you go back to sort of like the late 80s when... Yeah, we was out out the cups and you couldn't even qualify for Europe. But thank you very much, Liverpool. Uh, and then you go to sort of like the the, the end ones of 94, 95 as well, uh, when there's a few league games that didn't really matter. Uh, the main thing is, is we can either win and relegate Delaney, right? Or we can lose badly and relegate Villa. And I'm bloody well happy, whatever happens... I'm happy. As long as we don't draw and both of them stay up. Do you know what I mean? That would be the nightmare scenario. I want to see Delaney crying or I want to see Villa fans crying. That's what I want. And I want no injuries. And, I mean, potentially play the under-18s. Fuck it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm sure Troy Dean and his cojones will be uh, thinking something else. But, Mark, the biggest dead rubber ever, just as we wrap up today's uh, pod? Um, 
Well, uh, do you know, will you even watch it? Will you even watch it? Yeah, yeah, of course I watch it. Yeah, but um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. To be perfectly honest, right? I know there's a lot of people who went, ah, oh, last night I don't really matter, you know, because we're in the cup final. And you, we, we have to be a little bit careful about putting all our eggs in one basket here, you know. Um, league, league position, we're not going to get into Europe, yeah. So if we want to get into Europe, and to tr trust me, going back to the point I was talking about earlier, we need the money. You know, if people don't think Arsenal need every single penny they can get, then they're deluded because we do. We need every single penny we can get. So whether European football, Europa League football is a pain in the arse, playing on Thursdays and home games on a Sunday and all that, I don't care. We need to be in Europe for the money. And, you know, that's why I got really fucking annoyed about last night because we needed those three points. If we'd have got the three points last night, we'd have been sitting reasonably pretty for uh, going into Sunday's games, you know, we had a bit um, of pressure on. We would have put a bit of pressure yeah. on, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they'd have still been looking behind them at us and thinking, oh, you know, they've or they've beaten Villa now. They've got Watford at home. You know, we 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 could have put a lot of pressure on them, and we could have nicked a, a place and had a place, and then just relaxed for the cup final rather than now. If we want European football, we've got to win that cup final. You know, that's just an extra bit of pressure mm. on the cup final that maybe we didn't need. Um, in terms of in terms of Sunday, I don't know. You know what one school of thought will say: play, play the kids. Another school of thought is: look, you know, you know, play the team that you're going to pick against Chelsea the following week, uh, and and you know, and take 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 the risk. You know, give them the run out, Momentum. make plenty. You got five. You know, the good thing we have got now is we've got five subs, so you could bring players off. Um, you know, and give them sort of, you know, an hour, a half or an hour, and then take a few of them off, you know. So there are players who need a rest. Aubameyang needs a rest. You know, 100% he needs a rest. So, I don't know. I'd rather, I think I'd rather that Arteta's torn them out, all of them, every single one of them, a new arsehole last night, and that he will play the team on Sunday that he wants to start in the cup final, and he will tell them, play this game, Play properly. Don't, I don't want to repeat of Tuesday night's bollocks. If you're not interested, then you can fuck off uh, next Saturday and I'll put someone else in the team instead of you. I know a lot of people think, well, there is only one team that we can play. You know, the same team that more or less started against um, uh, City, yeah. bar, bar Mustafi's injury. Yeah? So, I don't know. I would I would pick them and I'd say, right, you fucking actually, you know, don't you all think that yeah. your place is safe? No, bollocks. Yeah. You play for your place now today. You let me down, someone else is going to get a chance. Because I'm, yeah. you know, and they should see it. Because he's fucked Urzel off. He's fucked Gwendouzi off. So he should do the same thing now. And I would play the full the, the full team and make some subs, you know. Yeah. And just, like, go, go give the fans the chance to go out on a high at the yeah. stadium. I oh, know. Yeah, I think laying down a marker. Laying down a marker, I think, is uh, is an important thing. So, lads. Yeah. And it's good are... for your confidence as well. Do you know what I mean? If we if we did play the kids and Watford are going to scrap for their lives and, and you know what? And they're, 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 a, they're a big, strong team. They might not be the best, hence why they're in so much trouble, but they're a big, strong team. You send a load of kids out, they could get beat by uh, by that, that Watford team and losing to Villa and losing to Watford is not the two results you want behind you going into uh, a cup final against Chelsea. I think that's a, that's a good point there, Mark. And we are out of time, lads, for the uh, for the evening. So thank you very, very much, Mark, for joining us. Gav, as always, thank you very much. Um, okay. Thoroughly enjoyed it tonight, although Cheers, not Chris. actually the results themselves. But, um, you know, onwards good. and upwards, up the Arsenal, and uh, we'll see you again next time. 
Up the Arsenal. Ooh.